Hi, I'm Rick Atkins, pastor here at CFCC. Welcome. We hope you enjoy this sermon and that God uses it to grow you in your relationship with Him. Before we get started, our goal is not to replace your investment in a local church with online content. We were made for community. We want to encourage you to engage in a local church with your gifts. See, when the people of God invest in the community of God, they experience the transformative power of God. And that is our hope and prayer for you. Again, thanks for joining us and we hope you enjoy the sermon. All right, well, good morning. You know, I think we can do better. Good morning. Man, thank you, thank you. Just because it's second service don't mean we can't wake up in here today, right? So let's do that, let's do that. Hey, I'm so glad you're with us today. And I do wanna um, also, wanna just thank all of you who are online with us today as well. Grateful, grateful to have you. And I have a question for you. We're gonna open with a question today. Did you by chance possibly wake up this morning thanking God that it was Sunday? Thanking God that you had a Christ-believing, God-fearing church to come to. Did you wake up this morning doing that? You know, guys, it is such an amazing privilege to be able to do this. I've said it before. I'll keep saying it. It's such an amazing privilege to be able to, to be here and to worship our God, and I pray we never take that for granted. So today, if you have your Bibles, we're going to spend some time in the book of Nehemiah. Imagine that. And we are going to be in the 12th chapter today, okay? In 12th chapter of Nehemiah. And we're going to see the planning and the execution of this incredible celebration for all that God has done. And I hope that we not only see how they celebrate, but I hope we see why they celebrate. And I hope you see the commitment of the people to live God's way after the party is over. So many times the party's over and we go back to our old ways. They didn't. You know, um, unfortunately in life, we just any way you look at it, there's many times that it, it almost seems like we have to lose something before we really, really appreciate it. And, and what I mean by that is like, like for instance, I, I don't, you know, every time I start my car, I don't think about it until my car doesn't start one day, right? Or, or, or maybe it's a, a relationship or maybe it's something at work something that's going on at work, or, or even, God, what we talked about earlier, guys, about our, our freedom. You know, there's something about that when that's gone, and then all of a sudden we get this second chance. When, you know, when we get this second chance to, to, to kind of see that, that hey, maybe there's, there, there's something here that, that we can get this back, and, and when we get it back, we seem to cherish it so much more and appreciate it so much more than we did before we ever lost it. And, and I tell you that to say, I think this is the case for Nehemiah and these returning Israelites. All right? I think it was their case. And the reason I say that is because they were well aware of the history of their people. They were well aware of all the miracles that God had done, right? And how he had released them from slavery and brought them out of the desert. All the things that God did, they were well, well aware of. But they were also painfully aware of God taking that blessing away as their ancestors began worshiping and living for the ways of this world instead of for God. They also knew and confessed that they too were not living God's way. But see, when they got this second chance and their hearts were right and they were turning back to God, 
he, gave, he, he forgave them, and not only he forgave them, but he blessed what they were doing. And, and that's where this celebration became so huge. They got that second chance. They got that fresh wind. And, and, and I pray that, that, that we see that as well. I mean, imagine this. Think about this. Think about getting another chance to be blessed and forgiven by God. Amazing. You know, to be capable of, of, of a life that has, you know, meaning, that matters, that, that matters for eternity. It has purpose and passion and, and direction. A chance to receive the greatest gift in the history of the world. You see, Nehemiah 9 tells us that God gave them the ability to understand the word. I don't know if you remember, but go back and look. And, and God gave them the ability to understand his word. And so when that happened, they now had the ability to truly see God and to see all that he was doing. And see, the celebration was incredible because their hearts were now right with God. Now, the first thing we see in chapter 12 is this. We see this huge list of non-Ori County names, okay? We see this list, and, and I'm not going to attempt to pronounce all of them, not because it's not important, because everything in the Bible is, but because that's all I would be able to do today, and we would be praying and singing a song. So forgive me there, but I, I do want you to see that Nehemiah, I believe he's got it there for two distinct purposes. And the first is this. I think that, that he does this for the purpose of division. And, and let me see if I can explain that. So if you look at verses 1 through 9, you know, on your own time when you can sometime, what it does is it tells us the names of the chief priests and the Levites that had come up with Zerubbabel earlier. And then verses 10 through 11 gives us the succession of high priests. Verses 12 through 21 are the names of the next generation of other chief priests. Verse 22 through 26 are the name of the famous or respected Levites that were in Nehemiah's time. And then verse 27 through 43 give us the dignitarians who were involved in dedicating the wall. we got to always have the politicians there. And then in verse 44 through 47, it gives us the appointments of the offices of priests and Levites in the temple. So the names are important, and they're there. The second thing I want you to see is that I think the names have to do with the importance of history, especially the importance of the history for the nation of Israel. Because this gave Nehemiah the opportunity to say, here's your 100-year legacy, right? Here's your legacy. And, and these are the, the men whose shoulders that you stand on. And so, so what happened is those that were there attending, they had the opportunity to look back at all that God had done, but they got really excited about what there was still to do. I, I think we're in a very, very similar place. I think we're in a similar place. God has blessed this place amazingly, but we've got more to do. And we're excited about what's yet to come. And guys, I hope this. I, I hope that it serves as a reminder to us of the importance of our own legacy and what condition we leave God's church in for the next generation. In Erwin Lutz's book entitled, We Will Not Be Silenced, there's this quote that I like. It says this, the first step to liquidating a people is to erase its memory. You see, history is important. It's so important because we have to learn from history what not to do and then also what to repeat. I, I, you know, I, I think that there's a reason that, 
the, the word remember is in the Old Testament 164 times. It's important. But now, all right, now the wall's built, right? The gates are hung. We got this well-defended, beautiful city filled with people. And now it's time to celebrate. Now it's time to celebrate and dedicate. Verse 27 through 31 says this. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they live and brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The musicians were also brought together from the region around Jerusalem, from the village of the Netophites, from Beth Gilgal, and from the area of Geba, and from Asmaveth, for the musicians had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem. When the priests and the Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, they purified the people, the gates, and the wall. I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. <coughs> Excuse me. In verse 27, what we see is that the choirs and the instrumentalists and the singers all gathered together to celebrate this great achievement. But they weren't just celebrating. They were also dedicating. You see, the celebration part was to thank God for all that he was done and, and, and how they were able to start and finish the wall. But now with the wall in place and this city was thriving, they were now dedicating this for the glory of God. It was almost like they were saying, hey, God, thank you for all you've done, and here's what we hope to do with it. Right? There was, there was a celebration and a dedication. And, and then the, the, the next thing I'd love for us to see is when we look at this, there's three elements that are important anytime we have a godly celebration. I want to look at these with you today. Three elements. Verse 27 tells us this. The Levites were brought into Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully. You see, joy has to always characterize the attitude of a believer because it's part of the package of the fruit of the Spirit. But joy and happiness are not the same. Yes, we see both in this celebration. We see people that are happy, and we see people that are joyful, right? But, but there's a difference because happiness always involves enjoying the present moment because it pleases us. But you see, joy, joy goes deeper because joy appreciates the past, the present, and the future. And not because of the current circumstances, but because our heart is now right with God. And you see, that's what produces our joy. Remember, happiness can fade quickly because it's always dependent on circumstances. But joy, joy's forever. It's like our relationship with God. And guys, so many people today, please hear this. So many people today are settling for temporary happiness. They're settling for that when the eternal joy is right there and available. You see, the Israelites celebrated joyfully because the joy of God was in them. And then the second element I want you to see this morning is this. He talks about purity, all right? In verse 30, it says this. It says, we are told that after the priests and Levites purified themselves, then they purified the people at the gate and the gates and the wall. So anytime in the Old Testament, what you see is when they're starting to participate in something related to God, right? There, there's this purification process that took place so that they would be temporarily clean and able to be used by God. And this was usually done through a ceremony or a ritual. 
And so I started thinking, you know, well, what about us? What about our purity? And guys, I think what I want to remind us of is this. That's one of the greatest blessings of the new covenant. That's one of the greatest blessings of being a new covenant believer because ours is not a ceremony or a ritual. Ours is a relationship. And ours is not temporary, but eternal. Do we still confess our sins? Yes. Yes, we do. But it's not because of our purification. It's because that allows us to continue on the journey of becoming more Christ-like. That's our sanctification. There's a difference there. 1 John 1.9 tells us this way. It says, if we confess with our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But we have to remember this about our confession. We have to remember that it's not just about being sorry for what we've done, but desiring in our heart to never do it again and then turning it over to God. You see the difference. And then the third element we see in verse 31, it says, Nehemiah had two large choirs giving thanks to God. There's there's really no way, guys, to celebrate with God without thankfulness. Because you see, when we don't have that, we're not giving him credit for what he's done. As a believer, when you and I, when we see or feel the creator of the universe doing something in our lives, then our thankfulness is what is acknowledging to him that we know it's him and not us. And that's what we see in the Israelites. They knew there was no way they could complete this building. They knew this wall. They knew there was no way. And they knew it had to be a work from God. And, and so when they turned it over and they knew that it was God, their hearts became thankful. We have to start looking for ways to be more thankful. I was reading in a book where this young boy walked up to, to, to this man and, and he had a, a very sour like look on his face. It was like he said he looked like a, a, a mule. And he said, you must be related to my grandfather because he's a Christian too. And, and, and you see, that can't characterize who we are, right? We have eternal life. We know our sins are forgiven. We have Jesus, a part of, of Christ in our hearts. We can't walk around gloomy. We've got to be looking for things to be thankful about, and we've got to be intentional about it. Maybe it's waking up and thanking God that you did. Maybe it's opening the refrigerator and seeing that there's something in there. Or maybe it's just taking the time to look around and see all that you do have instead of focusing on what we don't. But I think more than all of those, may we as a church be thankful because as believers, we know, we know that no matter what the day brings, no matter what happens, God is eternal and he's in complete control. We need to be thankful, guys. It's so much better to be thankful and realizing who makes it all possible. It changes us. All right, then we learn in verse 31 through 37 that Nehemiah, he divides the choir, okay? So he takes it and he separates the choir around them to march around the city. Verse 31 through 37 says this, one was to proceed on top of the wall to the right toward the dung gate. Hashiah and half the leaders of Judah followed them along with Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, Jeremiah, as well as the priests with trumpets. 
And also Zechariah, son of Jonathan, son of Shemaiah, son of Matawana, son of Micaiah, son of Zakur, son of Asaph, and his associates, Shemaiah, Azarel, Malilah, Galilah, Maya, Nathaniel, Judah, and Hananiah. Yeah, yeah. I told first service, if you say it fast enough with confidence, you can do it. You can fool them. All right, so they did this with musical instruments prescribed by David, the man of God. Ezra the scribe led the procession. At the fountain gate, they, were content, they, would, they continued directly up the steps to the city of David on the ascent to the wall and passed above the site of David's palace to the water gate on the east. So what we learned from that, from that whole thing is that the, the first group, the first choir, they go and, and they march around the western side of the wall and they go uh, down and around the southern end of the city and then they end up right at the temple. And then in verse 38, 39, we're told that the second choir goes the opposite direction, right? They go the opposite direction and, and around the city and the wall and they too end up right in front of the temple. And some, some commentaries were telling us that, that Nehemiah did this because out of respect for, for what he had read in the Bible where Gideon had obeyed God and when he was told to march around the, the city um, as well. And, and so the other piece of that was um, that, that he was remembering when he took this ride. I don't know if you remember, but back in Nehemiah, when he first got there, he tried to take a ride around the wall and he couldn't. He was on a donkey and he couldn't make it all the way around because there was so much trash and so much rubble that he couldn't get around it. And so many people were saying that maybe this was his before and after picture. You know, just the fact of remembering this is what it was and this is what God did. But regardless of what his inspiration was, whether it was, you know, marching around Jericho or whether it was this before and after picture, this march served as a faith walk. It served as a faith walk, claiming that any si anything inside of these borders now belong to God. And see, that's why we did the, the prayer walks. That's why we walked around this campus and did the prayer walks, so that we made sure that, that God knew that, hey, this is for your glory, God. We, we prayed over those areas before, they ever, before they're ever built. And, and I think that's so important. Then in verses 41 through 43, we're told that the two choirs join back together and they enter the temple to give thanks and that all the families were rejoicing together because of all that God had done. Listen to this. In verse 43, it says this. It says, we read that the sound of rejoicing was so loud that it could be heard from far away. How incredible. How incredible would it be one day if the Coptic church had to stop and, and everything they were doing and look over because it was so loud over here. Not that it was anything that we did. It was just we were so filled with God and so filled with his spirit that, that the roof was blowing off this place and, and, and we disturbed them. I'd say I'm sorry, but I don't know that I'd mean it. Can you imagine? They said that it was heard, the celebration from all over. I pray one day that, that we're so filled that, that it just comes out of us like that. All right, and then we go to, to verses 44 through 47. And it says this. It says, at this time, men were appointed to be in charge of the storerooms for contributions, first fruits, and tithes. From the fields around the towns, they were bringing into the storeroom the portion required by law for priests and Levites. For Judah was pleased with ministering priests and Levites. 
They performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as did all the singers and the gatekeepers, according to the commands of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, there had been directors for the singers and for the songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. So in the days of Zerubbabel and Nehemiah, all Israel contributed daily portions for the singers and the gatekeepers. They also set aside the portion for the other Levites, and the Levites set aside the portion for the descendants of Aaron. What I want us to see is there there are three things there, three keys to their giving, three keys to how they did this. The first is this. It said these offerings and contributions were given with pleasure. They were given with pleasure. The people were pleased with the priests and the Levites, and they gave willingly and they gave cheerfully. I love this verse. If you, if you get to it in your Bible, star it, keep it, remember it. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You see, God desires for us to see investing in his kingdom as one of the greatest privileges of our lives. It's an opportunity for you and I to give back thankfully for all that's been done for us. But please know this, please, before you do anything for the church, before you write a check, before you give money, make sure you check your motives. Make sure your heart's in the right place because truthfully, that's the only way God wants it. Remember, guys, he doesn't need our money, okay? He's God. Now, I'm I'm glad that you're sitting down right now, okay? But I want you to understand, he built the entire universe and everything that's in it without a penny from you or from me. He doesn't need our money. What he knows is, is that our wallet and our pocketbook are always tied to our hearts. And that's what he desires. All right, so the second thing we see in these offerings is this. It says, they were given according to the demands of David and his son Solomon. All right, so so remember now, David and Solomon actually lived 500 years before Nehemiah, right? 500 years before Nehemiah. So, So this was one of those great traditions that kept being passed down century to century. And and what it was is it required that all the singers, the ushers, the musicians, and the soloists were also to be purified before they performed. You see, this was to make sure that, that, that it was not for their glory, right? Not for their honor or their fame. Because when you are talented like that and you share and people say, great job, you know, you have the, uh, uh, there is the possibility there of going, oh, And God's going, no, 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 no. That's for my glory. Well, what's so great about this to me is I get the chance to pray with the the worship team before each service. And, And that's their prayer. Their prayer is that, hey, we do this for the glory of God. We do this not for ourselves. We simply want to be a part of the worship and lead the worship in music. And, guys, they do it well. They really, really, really do it well. And I think, God, you'll admit that God's always blessed them for that. And then the last thing we see is that these people are setting aside funds 
for the Levites who couldn't be there. And then the Levites actually turn around and set aside of their portion for the descendants of Aaron. What I hope we see in this is this. When our hearts are right with God, his giving flows the way it's supposed to. His giving flows just how it's supposed to, and we become generous givers. It's a beautiful picture of the oneness of God's desires. It's showing how a group of people, regardless of their differences, were one body, using the gift, different gifts from God for his glory and for his honor. I, I think if we're not careful, we begin to rank gifts. I think we begin to think that some are greater than others. We begin to think that, that maybe this one's more important than that one, and, and that can't be. Because God gave those gifts. That means they're all important. That means they all have to, to mix together so that we can be the best that we can be. I, I read this uh, parable. I, I'd love to read it to you. I think it does a better job of explaining it than I do. But it's called the Carpenter's Tools. So let me, let me try to share this with you. Brother Hammer, because he was too noisy, was asked by the other tools to leave the shop. But he said, if I'm leaving the shop, then Brother Drill must go too, because he's so insignificant that he makes very little impression. Brother Drill arose and said, all right, but if that's the case, Brother Screw must also go. You have to turn him around and around just to get him anywhere. Brother Screw responded, if you wish, I'll go, but Brother Plain must also leave. All his work is on the surface, and there's no depth to it. Brother Plain replied, well, Brother Rule will have to withdraw also. For he is always measuring folks as if they are better than, than if he's better than them. Brother Rule then complained against Brother Sandpaper, saying, I, don't, I just don't care. He's rougher than he ought to be, and he's always rubbing people the wrong way. In the midst of this discussion, the carpenter of Nazareth walks in to perform his daily work. The story says he puts on his apron and he went to work on the bench to make a pulpit from which he would preach the gospel to the poor. He used the screw, the drill, the sandpaper, the saw, the hammer, the plane, and all the other tools. It says after the day was over and the pulpit was finished, Brother Saul arose and he said, Brethren, I perceive that all of us are laborers with God together. Guys, that, that's where we've got to be. That's where we've got to get to. That's where we've got to continue growing towards that oneness, using all the different gifts that he gives us for his glory and for his honor. You know, we, we started Nehemiah several weeks back, and we looked at this wall that had seemed impossible to build but was finished in 52 days by a group of believing Israelites committed to not only doing what God had called them to do, but to continue living that way after the party was over. Jeremiah 32, 27, it says this. It says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? The Israelites said, no. No, it's not. And they believed. And God blessed it. And guys, I pray, I pray that that is our attitude. 
I pray that we believe because today is a big day for us. If you look uh, in the seat back in, in front of you, what you'll see is there, there are two cards, and I'd like for you to, to maybe grab those and look, but there are two cards there. And, and, and these cards, this one is, is, is a commitment card, the long skinny one, all right? Kind of looks like me. This one kind of looks like Tyler, right? The fat, kind of fatter one, right? And it's a guide. It's a generosity guide. And what it does is it just explains all that, 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 that goes into our thinking as far as, as giving is concerned. I, I hope that, that, that you'll look at this and, and see this and, and, and begin to, to, to pray and talk about if and what God may have you give as we get ready to go towards this uh, For the Kingdom campaign for the next three years. This commitment will, will, would be something that you would fill out and that, that uh, if you look on here, there's a, a QR code. You can, you can flash on that and actually go to the website. It'll give you uh, frequently asked questions, anything that you need there. Um, and then what we're asking is, is that you would, you would take this and you would, you would fill it out. You just fill out everything in there. And then if you're ready and if God, God willing, that, that you would come back next week and we would, we would actually turn that in. Um, during the service sometime next week. But, but, you know, the prayer is this. The prayer is that, that, that you take some time and you do this well. You take some time and you pray about it. You, you take some time with God and ask God, what do you want from me? It's not about my neighbor. It's not about the family down the street. God, what do you want from me? I also want you to know this. If you're new to Carolina Forest Community Church, please don't, don't, don't give to this. You're not ready. Okay? Now, we pray that, that you will stay with us and that you'll understand what we're doing and you'll believe in this and you'll become part of this journey with us one day. Just not right now. I want us to, to remember a few things about what Nehemiah and the Israelites said and did. I want to remind you of those so as you spend time this week, hopefully this will come to mind. The first thing is this, they knew this was beyond anything they could do. You see, they knew it was a God-sized task and they gave all the glory to God. They committed to the project. It was hard, it was dangerous, and it was costly, but they trusted God and they stayed the course. They gave willingly and cheerful as their hearts became right with God. Because when our hearts become right with God, our motives become pure. The last one is my favorite. They were thankful to God to be a part of this. They were thankful to God that at this time in their lives, for such a time as this, they were the ones that got to be involved with the wall and this new city and this second chance with God. They were thankful. I pray we are. I pray we are. I pray that we see what could happen here in these 25 acres. And I pray you see this and, and it excites you because you have to understand this. If we get to do this, watch what God will do. If we have to do this, watch out. 
please understand this. There is such a difference in an investment and a donation. There's such a difference. I, I'm not asking you to give money. I'm asking you to spend some time one-on-one -on -one with God and see what he's telling you. It may not be the right time. But what I know is this. I know that when my generosity in our family is able to reach out and do this, I know it grows me. I know it grows me. And, and, and that's what I pray for you. I pray that, that you see the growth that can occur when we simply say, I'm going to do something for the good of others. Because you see, that's so against the world, right? It's not natural. It's supernatural. So I pray, I pray that you have a great week. I pray that you spend some time with God and that uh, next week we come back and, and, and see what God's up to. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, I do just thank you. I thank you so much for today. I thank you for loving us. God, I thank you for being so good to us. And God, I thank you that, that, that at this time, that you have us right here in Carolina Forest, God. That you have us here, God, Lord, to do whatever it is you called us to do. God, to give for the good of others is so amazing. Because we know that that's not in us. And only when we're filled with you do we care about other people the way we care about ourselves. So please, God, during this time, grow us. Grow our commitment, grow our faith, grow our heart, and do what you want to do. God, I pray this in the name of your Son and my Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.